Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to We Say Things, episode 208. Suns fan here with the Cinderman. It's a me. As you can tell, is in Sweden right now for Dream League. Uh, yes. Thus, we are actually recording roughly 10 hours earlier than usual uh yep how are you doing cinderin i'm good um it's nice to be awake for a podcast episode it's kind of cool oh you're saying you haven't been awake for the past <laughs> ones actually i was awake for the for the guest one as well of course okay good but uh, as you know for all the morning ones it's very hard for me to get up in the morning Shane. very hard but i do it for you but this one thank you it's late at night, so that's wonderful. And you got up for this one. Kind of. I mean, well, you got up a couple hours ago. It's 5 p.m., so... Yeah, so you probably got up two hours ago. That's close to the truth. <laughs> uh, thank <laughs> you new. to our In Bruges tier of patrons. Zarzar, honestly, I just want to hear Sin and Sunsfan read my name. There you go. The Shazcast, Sunsfan Sonascrote, Mr. I Love the NBA segment. I will be out two weeks on vacation. Please wait until I'm back to resume our long-forgotten, most-loved... Monkey Man asks, how much shade and Freud have you two been maintaining in your veins this week with the new report system? Pepperballs, T-Coil, Rupus, Q Ludes is ready to praise the podcast. Stupid Copilot, D2 Bowie, Lab Dota, Yatoro does it again, Cinderin, Mag- Magdev, Hats... You know what? I think I might be reading an old list. One moment. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, Sorry about that. Eight days old, so... Yeah, one second. All okay. Right. Well... You're going to double shout outs. Look at that. Yeah, we're going to see. This is what's so cool about our podcast. Now, other people would just redo the episode and start. No, over. no, no, no. Fuck that. But we're just going to read them again because. You so know. thank you to our in Bruce tier of patrons. You guys are the best. Thank you to HBD Mickle the Pickle. You should play more dotes with your buds. Zarzar, I only play Dota for Nyx Assassin. The Shazcast, Suns fan Sauna Scrote. That one's the same. Mr. I love the NBA segment. There's literally nothing going on in the NBA. I'm sad. Yeah, it's all like just trade rumors and I mean, it's the same trade rumors. Nothing's actually happened. Monkey Man asks, first time in Seattle for TI, am I going to have a am I going to have time to see the sites? If so, what should I do? Well, it cons- hmm. depends on how long you're there. But if you're there for two segments, then that means you're there for at least a week and a little bit extra. So yeah, you'll have plenty of time because there's no Dota what during the week. What touristy stuff have we done in Seattle in the past? Sp- uh, the needle. Is it the space, space needle? needle? That's about it. Food? I mean, they have really good restaurants uh, in Seattle. And I'm a big food fan. So There's Pike's Market, Fish Market. Oh yeah, Pike's Market. That's right. Pike's Market, yeah. I would say yeah, Seattle. Pike's Market, the Space Needle, and visit all the good restaurants. There you go. That sounds like a really fucking good trip. Seattle has Just a lot eat. of good walkable areas too, so... And I guess just in, just based on my limited experience, I would say it's probably one of the better 
places in the U.S. to get sushi, if you're into that. Because they obviously have access to a lot of fresh fish there. And if you um, get Thai food, get masuman or any type of curry. It's amazing there as well. All right, uh, there you go. That's some good advice. All right, where was I? Uh, Pepperballs, T-Coil, Rupus, Q Lose is ready to praise the podcast. Stupid Copilot, D2 Bowie, Lab Dota, Yatoro does it again, Cinderin, Magdev. Hats off to Val for the recent updates. Next up, marketing question mark. Games for Falling Asleep. We'll see you in Seattle. Disco Farm D and the Mega Pope. And San Xavier, an eight tickle zero one hamscrow, shark TM, antiquely seasoned goat balls, Janie, Dop, nothing to see here, underscore man, guitar strings, Yves Ben Broomhead has been Broomhead has been Broomhead, wooden aftertaste, anonymous, and the Hawaiian alphabet has just 12 letters, making it one of the shortest alphabets in the world, Mr. Niebling. Huh. 12 letters. That's crazy. Trying oh, to imagine goodness. if you had to cut out half of the English alphabet, which letters you would get rid of. I mean, there's quite a few of them that are relatively useless, right? Yeah, Z. Yeah. I think Y is also pretty useless because all the words with Y you could just spell differently. So that's already two. Yeah, but 12 is really condensed. Yeah. It's like basically every vowel and then we would have four consonants left or something, right? Mm. How many vowels does English have? Is it eight? A-E-I-O-U and sometimes Y. That's six. Oh, it's six only. That's right. Danish has nine, I think. Yeah, is one of them. Right? <laughs> yes, that one, exactly. Uh, were you talking about this thing that's on the outline or no? Uh, not this week, but okay. I will mention it because I said I was going to do it every week, so for a while. Uh, and I'm going to stick to that, but just not this one week. So, so you're not sticking to it. Uh, well, it's a bit of an e exception. So... Uh, if you guys watched the episode two weeks ago, I said I was going to recommend two games every episode for a while, but then we had the guest episode with Soxa, where we don't do stuff like that. And then for this episode, I am in Sweden, and I don't have my document, and I'm not really ready for it. So your recommendations are coming. I saw some of you guys' feedback on the episode on YouTube, which was really cool to read that some people picked up Tunic and were having a good time. You guys have only dipped your feet in there, unless you have played it for the full two weeks since it came out there is so much to that game fucking amazing anyway uh more recommendations so this document time. of yours that you've notated these such things this is a physical document i take it no it's just one i have on my computer at home and then i didn't send it to myself or upload it anywhere what what program are you using notepad <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, I mean, I you use know, I use Notepad quite a bit, but I don't like if I'm saving something. I would not use Notepad. I'm just saying. I didn't think about it. I just didn't upload it anywhere, and I was like, you know what? It's no rush. You'll get them next week. It's fine. Yeah, and you did yeah. not. Two weeks in a row now. Uh, well, last week you weren't supposed to get it. So I should have asked you for them at the beginning of the episode. All right, how about, how about this, Shannon? Let me just say this: my recommendations this week are the same as last time. They're that good. So if you didn't get them last time, now you have twice the oh. reason to because I'm you recommending them again. You could have recommended Dota too, and then technically your streak would be alive, right? Yeah, but that doesn't fit my criteria. I don't recommend free-to-play games. You said indie games, right? Oh, I didn't say indie games. I said games for good value, but not free-to-play. Because free-to-play are infinitely good for value, right? No, that's not true. That is true. Dota, maybe. I'd say other free-to-play, not so much. Since they cost nothing, if they have any entertainment value above zero, then they have infinite entertainment value that's per infinite. cost. That's infinite. Yes. But time costs money. I'm not going there. 
All right. Say I'm right. First, move on. first topic of this week. Not much Dota stuff, uh, but this one's huge. Uh, there's yes. no more DPC is a TLDR. I'm going to read the blog post from Valve. Of course, this came out a day after our podcast, and I do believe that their next big update will be coming out the day after this podcast as well. Uh, the Dota Pro Circuit. We started the Dota Pro Circuit in 2017 to answer a question that was coming up more and more frequently. How do you earn an invite to the international? Up until then, invitations were driven by a handful of regional qualifiers and golden ticket invites from Valve. Distribution of these invitations created an exciting moment every year for fans, but it was hard for pro players and their fans to know the exact path to the international. Understanding that every invitation system has trade-offs, we set out to create a system with more clarity and transparency. When it came to that one limited goal, we succeeded. The DPC demystified the invitation criteria and made it easier for pros to understand their path to the international. Unfortunately, the DPC brought with it a set of rules and regulations, and those have come with a cost that's become clearer to us over time. The world of competitive Dota has grown less exciting, less varied, and ultimately much less fun. In other words, no captain's draft, no Midas mode, no Moonduck events. Uh, my existing, or by existing as the only official league, the DPC has a stranglehold on the event calendar for the year and what it's filled with. Event organizers are innovating less because they're effectively, because that's effectively what we've been asking them to do. Instead of competing for viewers and players by producing compelling and inventive tournaments, organizers now compete for compliance with Valve's long list of rigid requirements, aka team count, broadcast languages, event format, and more. Relaxing those requirements doesn't help. No matter how well-intentioned our event specifications or the... I need to make my text bigger. Let me zoom in. I can, I can read the rest. It's fine. Go ahead. Thank you. No matter small. how well-intentioned our event specifications or the actions of the event organizers in meeting them, it distracts from what the goals of these events used to be, showcasing Dota in the most entertaining way possible, enticing players to participate, and the audience to watch. The best world is the one where event organizers aren't competing for our attention, but for yours. Before we introduced these constraints, the world uh, before we introduced these constraints, the world of competitive Dota was healthier, more robust, and more varied than the one we have now. Events used to be less rote and more creative, and there was more room in the calendar for them. Everything was open for exploration, event length, and themed venues, and team participation, and even the basic assumptions of tournament design. There's a beautiful, unregulated insanity to it all. Casual house parties and oyster prize pools coexisted alongside the Dota Asia Championships and one-off invitationals. It would be too simplistic to say that the slow drift of the Dota competitive scene away from this focus on fun and creativity towards the sterile, near-monoculture of today is entirely the fault of the DPC, but the DPC has generated significant pressure and incentives that led us here. The Dota community has has decades of grassroots experience coming up with innovative and entertaining events, and right now the DPC is getting in the way. With that in mind, we're ending the Dota, Dota Pro Circuit 2023 will be the final DPC season. Competitive Dota predates the DPC by many years and will continue long after. The International will continue as well. We're already working on the International 2024, and next year we'll be, taking more, uh, we'll be talking more about how invitations to that event will work. But for now, we're going to return our focus to this year's event, which, unbelievably, is only four short weeks away, which is now three, roughly, because this is a week old. Okay. Okay. That was a long... We rarely read out that much text, Shannon. Yeah. Very well, this one is read. obviously very important. So I guess you're, you've had a week. I mean, we've known about this yeah. for a long time, of course, but uh, 
You've had a week to officially process this. What mm -hmm. are your thoughts? So I think the easiest way of thinking about this is just flat out pros and cons, right? So they're listing all the pros, right? Because obviously this is a post that is meant to outline for them what the good things about this change is. Um, and they didn't really list any of the cons. And I think the cons are uncertain. Uh, and actually, that's also one of the cons is uncertainty in itself. So effectively, what's happening now is when this season is over, uh, we're going back to the state of Dota that we had in 2016. However, the landscape back then was very different. There was a lot of tournaments, like Valve were pointing out, uh, but some of the major tournament organizers from back then might not want to run events again. Like if we're relying on, let's say, BTS, for example, are they going to run stuff? They stopped doing Dota entirely. Uh, and maybe if this happened three years ago, they would have continued to run Dota. But at this point, who knows if they're going to run any events. So then if they don't, maybe you don't get those like house or home story cup type tournaments for Dota. Then you had Starladder that used to run a shitload of tournaments back then. Obviously, with the whole situation in Ukraine, things are not looking very great for a lot of the employees of Starladder and everything there. Because a lot of those events were hosted in Kiev, and that is absolutely not happening right now. Uh, who knows next year? Hopefully things get better, but... We can only guess how long this war is going to go on. Um, Dota Pit used to run tournaments. I don't know what they're doing. Are they going to run stuff? Who knows? And then you had something like We Play, but I'm not going to use them as the primary example because they did not run Dota in 2016. They started later. But essentially, they also stopped running stuff when the DPC took over more, right? So When they didn't the get a DPC is, region, yes. And they never got an event for the DPC. They only ran their own stuff. Well, they got a major. The key right. Area. They got a major, but no DPC season. So or the anime now the data. question is, um, who's going to pick up the slack, right? We know for a fact ESL is going to run their entire circuit because they've announced that. They're going to run their own stuff. Um, so there's obviously going to be a lot of that. But who else? Who's going to step up to the plate? If you want that variety uh, that Valve are hoping for, we need people to run tournaments. We need someone who's eager to do it. We need to have good enough enticing uh, reasons for the players to play if you want good teams. And that also begs a secondary question, which the DPC helped with a lot. What happens with the Tier 2 scene now? Because if these tournament organizers are competing for the viewers' attention, we know what the viewers want to watch is Tier 1, right? Those mm -hmm. events have way more viewership. How do you get a sustainable, growing Tier 2 scene if there's no, no system in place and no reason for tournament organizers to include them? Yeah, BTS um, used to run a lot of tournaments for the Tier 2 scene. Right, that was yeah. a very common thing for them. Uh, Moonduck did not. We always used Tier One, just to give mm -hmm. you an idea of what people used to do. Uh, I, I would say, like the blog posts, I'm trying to look at it like objectively without just my mm -hmm. personal bias, but it encompasses what Valve has been doing for the last six months, which you know we should be expecting now. They're taking the gas off the pedal, but they're not saying that necessarily. Right. They're trying to wrap it in a more positive light, I guess, which Obviously, I'm a very negative person, as we know, but I think it's, it is important to know the motivations behind things. Like, they don't have enough people to work on the game, or they don't want people working on this game as much as before. So, obviously, the DPC just wouldn't work. Like, a lot of us saw this coming anyway. Uh, so, mm -hmm. this is their way of kind of wrapping it in a way that makes a little bit more sense. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing, because I think 2016, that's when we were running our tournaments in Moonduck. Yes, those times were nice, I will admit. Uh, when the DPC came, yeah, it came with more structure, which 
I think one of the biggest thing that people were happy about is, hey, the tier two scene now is going to have something. And what have we been complaining yeah. about for the last few years is that nobody's getting paid enough anyway for that to have much impact regardless. But now we're going to, if we're going back to the earlier era, then tier two scene is going to have even less to work with now. Yeah. But like you said, I'm just going to echo some of the stuff you said because I completely agree. I think a lot of these tournament organizers have been, uh, what's the right way to put it? Scared away from Dota. Mm -hmm. And I think it's safe to say most of them, I'm not saying all, most of them will probably not come back. Game's over 10 years old. Like, mm. They're doing other things now. Doesn't mean BTS might not come back. I have no idea. We play. Maybe they have a sour taste in their mouth. I mean, both of them are working on things with like big streamers, that stuff that's bigger than Dota anyway. So yeah. who knows if they want to do stuff like that. ESL is like the one constant, of course, in all They are going to be, without a doubt, the absolute juggernaut of the year. Um even if other tournament organizers are going to step up to the plate, they're not going to run as many events as ESLR, right? They just, they have this whole circuit planned out. They have the experience. They have the know-how. They have the full setup. They have, you know, good relationships with uh, a lot of talent that they can draw from so they can get good quality in that regard. They, you know, so. But that also is kind of important in this whole discussion, right? Because what, if what you're hoping for is for people to compete for the audience's attention, it's not really it's not really strictly good for the scene if ESL doesn't have any competition, right? Like, if they're the only organizer that can throw great events and make people watch and love it and, you know, want to support Dota uh, from an esports perspective, we need others to step up to the plate. And that's just my biggest question mark is who's going to do it, right? Now, what I really, 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 really hope Valve are going to do, and I think neither of us thinks they're going to do it, but I if they, they do, it'll saying. be fucking amazing, not is it. to do what we ran Captain's Draft 2.0 on, which is crowdfunding in the game itself. Because that opens the door to tons of people to run and organize tournaments. So to give you guys an idea, obviously many of you guys listening or watching haven't weren't around in Dota at the time, but in 2016 we ran a Captain's Draft tournament, Captain's Draft 2.0. I think it was 2016, right? Um, Something like that. Yeah, 15 or 16, whatever. And at the time, you could run tournaments and bundle items with the tournament ticket in Dota. Back then, people were buying tickets to get the rights to watch Dota TV for tournaments. It was effectively a way for tournament organizers to make revenue because people were pay it was pay to watch, essentially, in, the in Dota TV. Now, you were allowed to bundle your ticket with items. So our tournament, for example, we had a really cool fucking juggernaut set that we had some of the best artists in the Dota business make. Uh, called Balance of the Blade Keeper. Uh, and then along with that, we also had a little compendium that was inspired by the TI compendium from 2013 and 14. And then we had a Lich set that also came when you bought that compendium. So effectively, people had the choice of how they wanted to support the tournament. Were you going to buy the Juggernaut set? Were you going to buy the compendium and the Lich set? Were you going to buy both? Were you just going to buy the ticket? I think you could buy the ticket individually as well, but I don't remember entirely. Um, and effectively what ended up happening was that the prize pool of that tournament went from 50k to like 270 or something. And we as tournament organizers and the sets uh, creators made a lot of money off it. So it was a really worthwhile investment of our time and effort. People loved the tournament. The teams were super happy with the prize pool they paid for, uh, played for. And the payment of it came from the community that got sets in return that they liked. So as far as I'm concerned... There were no losers in that system. Yes, there except, was. Except if Valve think 
that people buying that means they make less money yes. than if those people buy the battle pass. Well, not just but that, they also have to no, they have to work yeah. with us to get the stuff in the game to be sure. up to their standards. Which... But Valve were also making money. So depending on how much work effort came from the developers running those tournaments, I would say you know this better than me because you were talking to them, but I'm assuming the amount of effort they had to put in for our tournament was minuscule. So it, it's like, hard to remember because at right. this time, like there was constant innovations within uh, like the workshop. Like I've talked about the stuff that I've worked on in the past. And this is one of them where remember, this is the one of the big projects that Buka first worked on with us. Where right. he, he designed the compendium and yeah. nobody had done that before, or at least not to that extent. So we we're just like taking things to the next level, which perhaps needed Valve to actually put stuff in the game to be able to, you know, take advantage of this stuff. But then again, like, let's, okay, let's say it's a bit of a time investment. Then the system is in place and it can be reused. We would have probably done something similar again if they only would have let us. But to my knowledge, maybe our tournament or one or two following tournaments ran by others were the last ones that had this monetization. We weren't the first ones who did this. We jumped on in the, I want to say, the la latter portion we of when this was actually a thing. We were the most successful. But we were the most successful because... You know, we, we made a good product. We were I think. also one of the first ones. Everything was just... Because if you remember, Captain's Draft 1, we had a courier, mm -hmm. and it was bundled with yeah. the ticket. So there was something that we had, and then by the time we were ready for the second one, which I think was less than a year later, they had stuff in the game for us to be able to expand upon it, and then yeah. that exploded. So, so obviously, to wrap things back around with this, uh, to where I was coming from, if this <clears throat> if this gets put into place, this will help a lot for tournament organizers with running their stuff and getting the money for it because the fans, in our experience, don't mind dropping some money on a good product if they get something in return. And I don't think most fans will want to pay to watch because they're watching on Twitch and the tournament organizers kind of have to run it on Twitch because in order to get a good deal with... Uh, the sponsors of the tournament, they need to have, you know, a way of reaching an audience. So if you're literally only putting in Dota TV, nobody's going to watch. So the watching part will be free, but you could still bundle the tournament with some goodies that makes you advertise in the tournament itself. Hey, guys, buy this shit that we put in the game. It's really cool. You support the tournament and you boost the prize pool. Um, and we just have the proof of concept that it worked, right? And there's no reason why it wouldn't now. Um, obviously... If people buy that, they spend less on other stuff in Dota. But the reason I'm slightly hopeful that this could happen is that Valve already seems to be stepping a little bit away from that whole thing, right? Because they've said they're not going to make a battle pass anymore in the same way. Um, so sweet I don't summer know child. Sweet, sweet I, boy. Sweet, now, naive so now, young man. Well, okay, but now the question is, how are they going to monetize it instead then? If they are hoping to have people spend the same amount of money, but they're not going to put the same level of product in the game for people to spend it on, do they expect people to spend the same? Or is their perspective that it's not worth the dev hours for what we make in return because other stuff we work on, we assess to be more valuable? If that's the case, then effectively, they have no reason to not you know, let other people put stuff in the game and make them money if they're not making stuff. And who knows? They've made a couple of chests. Maybe they're going to keep making chests, and maybe that is too important to let third parties run it. But I'm hopeful that they will consider it, at the very least. Um, if they don't, I think the Tier 2 scene, at large, will be dependent on qualifiers. So 
what the DPC brought with it with Div 2 was a way for up-and-coming teams to prove themselves and get into Div 1. And then some of them, you know, players got drafted into better teams and they got to have their time in the sun. And you had some teams over time develop and become true Tier 1 contestants, such as Quest Esports right now is a perfect example of that, uh, of a team that came from Div 2 and just built up, right? Uh, if they don't get the option to show what they can do, those teams won't exist in the tournament system in general. So the tournaments have to have some sort of qualifier structure where tier two teams get their shot. And I don't think that inherently is worse than the DPC necessarily, because the money you made in Div 2 and DPC wasn't particularly important, I would say. It was more about going to Div 1 and you know getting access to where the money is. Um, and I think they can still get that, if the tournaments hosted by these organizers have qualifiers. But unless Valve put rules in place that enforce that tournaments need to have qualifiers, mm. the organizers can just invite whoever they want. And who do they want? They want the tier one teams because that's what people want to watch, right? So that's going to be the tricky part is integrating tier two in a way that doesn't effectively kill the tier two scene, right? Because um, that's, that's not desirable in the long run, right? Um, Agreed. So I want to go back a bit to the compendium stuff because I was going to say mm -hmm. as well, and I can only speak for myself, not for other tournament organizers. It's funny because there's probably a lot of people that watch this podcast that don't even remember that we do, did tournaments in the past. We did a lot of tournaments, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I would be shocked isn't, is an understatement if they ended up going with the compendium route because, first of all, and usually when I say, like, Keep in mind with the arcade, that was an easy fix. Literal mm -hmm. half a day of work and it's fixed. That's how easy that was. This one's not that easy because all the stuff they made for the compendiums in the past, first of all, not only is it old, but it's on source one. So they pretty much have to make all that stuff from scratch anyway. And considering how every single blog post has been in the last year, they don't have many people working on Dota. It's very obvious. Even though the last few updates have been great and perhaps mm -hmm. this is going to be better for the long run, there's no way... There's no way that they're going to do compendiums or anything like that ever again. Beyond shocked is what I would be if they do something Yeah, so like you're that. saying if that they do compendiums themselves or that they implement it in a way so others can make compendiums that, as well. The latter. Both. The, the latter. latter. Okay, so he's... Right. But I don't, so, I'm not asking for compendiums. I don't think it's a requirement that there needs to be compendiums. Just letting us bundle cool item sets that otherwise could have made a chest would already be a huge start. Okay. Yeah, right? that, that's definitely easier for them to do, but it's still yeah. a pain. I know this mm -hmm. from talking to them in the past. It's a pain okay. because everything has to be up to a standard and they mm -hmm. have to go through the items manually. Sometimes they have to edit them themselves. Like It's something they hated doing and I'd be beyond shocked even if that is okay. less work than what we're talking about. I'd still be shocked that they do something like that. Having said that, I... Again, this is just my perspective. Doing tournaments now, I have zero interest. I, I talked to you about this. I have mm -hmm. zero interest in doing tournaments right now. If they added something where we can create like a uh, crowdfunding, like, yeah, we could do Kickstarter and shit like that. It's just not the same. No. Uh, if they did something and like that... And it's also not going to raise as much money, let's be honest. Like, well, people aren't going to... You know, they, they're not going to donate as much as what they get in return. The reason it was successful was that people wanted the set. And if that's we fine. Had that, no? If we had that original system, I'd be interested in again. It's not just because of the money, even though that is, yes, a factor. It's the fact that you're doing, like, I like creative things, you know? Mm -hmm. Doing a tournament, there's some parts that are fun, but the biggest pain is getting money from a sponsor, going to fucking sponsors, selling this shit. I can't stand doing that garbage. 
but running the tournament in some ways is fun and then creating like an asset collection or whatever you're going to be putting as part of the collection in the compendium or whatever the case may be that's just mm -hmm. really fun to organize and uh, i think that's also a separate thing or separate issue rather is how do sponsors feel about dota now compared to seven years ago it's like, definitely how worse. big of a, yeah. how big variety of sponsorships do we have it so feels like a lot of tournaments and betting there's and a Saudi lot of betting Arabia. sponsors now and then there's some there's still some you know like hardware producers but not as much as there used to be there's not as much variety right i feel like over the course of a year you would see like you know different peripheral uh, companies sponsoring different tournaments right and nowadays it feels like most of them have just dropped out of doing dota at the very least maybe esports in general so it's also about what resources do we actually have access to in order to run these tournaments for those that want to do it and if that comes back to there aren't many options, then what tournaments are they going to be, right? Is it going to mm -hmm. be just tournaments that have a betting sponsor as the title sponsor plus ESL? Or are we going to have WePlay come back, you know? Because, again, we're talking a lot about the cons here. I want to say all the pros that Valve listed in their post, I agree with. I agree with everything it says in here, but it comes with that huge asterisk that they aren't putting there, which is, are we actually going to have the experience that we used to? If we are... I think we're approaching a great few years in the future of Dota that are going to be awesome and that we're going to like to work and people are going to like to watch. But there is the risk that we enter a bit of a pseudo drought where the year is ESL and TI. Um, yeah. And that is not good in the long run um, if that's all there's going to, going so to be. Do you think, so, let's close with this. Do you, what do you think the reason they're doing this is? Is it because of, I mean, it's, of course, going to be multiple factors. Do you think mm -hmm. it's... Well, I'll just give my opinion instead of asking. Uh, I think it's a collection of things where, number one, they have less people in Dota. They want to put less effort mm -hmm. in it. Number two, a couple of the majors this year were a, a literal huge embarrassment, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. uh, and I guess those are the two big ones. I think those are the two biggest reasons why they're just ditching the DPC. Players complaining. But the players are going to complain <laughs> no matter what, right? Just like me, yeah. living and breathing and sure. complaining. That's just part of my my mo. So yeah, but that that's the thing. Like the DPC, and we talked about this even before the DPC was a thing. Is there's going to be like you said pros and cons. There's going to be things that we miss about the old system, uh, even with this new system coming in. But the biggest thing is the question marks of what is actually going to happen. Yeah, and I think the biggest concern is whether these sponsors will come back because I think. If I had to guess, a majority of them would not. I think the next, the coming year is going to be deciding for the next like five years of Dota. The next year is going to determine what type of game we're dealing with. Uh, and that's a bit scary, to be honest, right? Like, uh, you know, I like to have a positive outlook. I know you like to have a negative outlook. I hope neither of, or well, I hope I'm right, obviously, but I hope you don't end up being fully right. Here, uh, I hope that, you're always right, Cinderin. At always. the very, at the very least, that we end up somewhere in the middle, where maybe some of the good old orgs don't come back, but at least we have something, and some people are eager to jump on this and run it. Um, so there's nothing else to do but just wait and see, and obviously hope for the best. Um, to answer your question about what I think the motivation is behind this, I think Valve are actually. I think first of all, I think they're being genuine in this post. Uh, I think what they're writing, I believe it. Uh, and then on top of that, the things you said, probably fewer people working on the game, certain secondary things about it. I, 
I, I agree. I think those are the main factors. Um, and you know how Valve roll, right? They love to test, reiterate, reiterate again, and then go from there. And as with some of the games they've never published, sometimes they will iterate on them three times and then scrap them if they don't like what the end result is. And this system, they've run it, they've tweaked it, maybe not as much as especially pros would have probably liked. I think there's one or two iterations of the system that we never got to see. Um, but I think they've just reached a point where they're like, okay, this is just not the right thing for Dota. We tried what we wanted to do. We didn't like it. Do something else. And that's fine, as long as you know it's not too late. Because mm -hmm. this post, I would have been a lot more optimistic about three years ago than I am now. Because um, I think it may just be too little too late. But we'll see. Fingers crossed yep. that we get the events. Maybe next year we'll be looking back at this episode and we'll be like, man, what were we so worried about? Or we'll be like, damn, we, we were optimistic, huh? You know? <laughs> it was like an arid wasteland of ESL and TI and nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, DPC did have... I mean, like you said, this blog post is very accurate. Like, DPC had a stranglehold on everything. Uh, yes. And I, I it was exhausting. I do not believe this is going to be empty. I don't. It was exhausting. But... From a talent perspective, from a pro player perspective, from... Whoever's running the DPC regions, I'm sure that was exhausting. Just constant Dota. Mm -hmm. But I think that's the one thing. I don't know if you agree. I think having downtime where there's actually no tournaments is good. Just not, it can't be a, an extreme amount of time. Yeah, that, build, it's, it's that can not build a, stuff up. Sure. It's not necessarily a problem. And I think the teams also like that. The teams don't want to play all the time, they want to play their best and they want to have breaks. Um, yeah, and I think it's going to go back to what... It, let's just assume we get a bunch of tournaments throughout the year, uh, like we had back in the day. Teams would strategically choose which ones they're going to, right? Mm -hmm. So oh, right. They, they pick up their that. breaks. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, there's one more thing about this that we haven't talked about at all, which is how are Valve going to invite teams to TI now? Because mm -hmm. what they wrote here is they're taking away the DPC system, which was the clear road to TI. Uh, they wrote... Um, Maybe, yeah, right. So the right next year, we'll be talking more about how invitations to that event will work, which is TI 2024. What I hope Valve <clears> does <throat> is that uh, tournament organizers that are announcing their tournaments, that Valve officially sanction certain tournaments and say these tournaments give points. So they effectively make a transparent point system where tournaments are worth stuff. So you still and have majors and minors? Effectively, but now they're just run by third parties that want to run a tournament. And obviously, the tournaments will be interested in getting points because then the stakes are higher and more people will watch and there's more hype around their tournament, right? Um, so if it's kind of like we had that year with a stupid amount of minors and majors, right, where we got the captain's draft minor, um, where that was worth some points toward going to TI, right? Yeah. Um, now the question is, that do Valve even want to bother with that? Do they want to have people vet tournaments and give them points because well what if you vet a tournament that turns out to be a fiasco or a scam or you know as certain tournaments in the past have ended up being GSC, you know, massively cough, cough. flawed as example as an example gsc uh, are they just like we can only speculate now because they say they'll announce it yet next year but i hope that the system will be one that is obvious easy to understand and also helps the viewers you know like they pointed out, I, they definitely don't want it the old way, where nobody knows what the fuck's happening until on the day, and then you hope you get invited. I've been there. It's kind of dreadful, right? Um, so, 
That's probably the way to go. That, then, at the same time, though, then the concern is, well, okay, what if you're in a tournament that doesn't get Valve sanctioned for points? Do people care then? Mm. Like, is it bad then? I don't necessarily think that's a problem, because, for oh, example, the I... Summit, I think, never gave points for TI, but people loved watching that shit, because it was a fun, good product. Well, they, some of them did, because they were minors. I think having a bunch of minors and just less oh, yeah. majors some, right. is yeah. good. Like, some. if we have two majors next year... That's, I think, a good thing. I think Riyadh obviously would be one. So you just need mm -hmm. an additional one to that, and then every other third-party tournament can be a minor. I think that's probably good enough. That would be one way of doing it, yeah. Uh, okay, so that is the DPC news. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Next, yes. you are going to talk about Dream League, which I have not watched at all. All right, Illuminate I mean, me. I would say you're missing out a little bit. The quality of games is pretty damn good. Um, and your favorite team is doing well. So Shopify? That's interesting. Yes. Oh. They topped their group. Oh. Uh, the group stage is almost over. Uh, so, yeah, incoming spoilers. If you guys haven't watched yet, uh, this will be about the current state of Dream League. So... Uh, we have two groups of six, and the standings... Group B is almost finished. There's a deciding game tomorrow. And in Group A, the teams that are advancing to the upper bracket, this is a 12-team tournament. Two, group, two teams per group go upper, two teams go lower, and two teams get eliminated. Upper bracket in Group A are Shopify Rebellion and Tundra. Lower bracket Group A are Entity and Nine Pandas. And eliminated in Group A are Team Liquid and Talon. So two of the teams with a decent amount of podium finishes this year, especially Liquid, don't even make top eight. In the other group, Team Spirit are in first and Betboom are in second. OG are in third with a potential asterisk that they could tie for third with Gaming Gladiators, but they would still be in third. Uh, Quest are in fifth and EG are in sixth. And there's one match remaining in this, in this group that got postponed till tomorrow which is Gaming Gladiators against Quest. If Gaming win one out of the two games, Quest are eliminated and Gaming advance. If Quest 2-0 them, Gaming don't even make top eight, which would be mm. quite the story oh. if neither Gaming nor Liquid even make the bracket of a <laughs> tournament. Um, and Gaming were one and five. They 2 0 their last series. Uh, otherwise, things would have looked really bad, but they 2 0 EG, who are the bottom dog of that group, and are eliminated. So... Uh, aside from that, you know, I don't know if you want to really talk about the nitty-gritty of the meta or whatnot, but uh, the biggest issue, in my opinion, this patch currently has is that the carry pool seems pretty shallow. There's just a subset of heroes that are just too good right now, uh, which is pretty natural with how the last couple of patches have developed. So you have certain carries that just seem broken, like PA, Sven, 
Uh, Gyro has fallen off a little bit, but still seems really good in the right game. Uh, and then you have a handful of supports that are just overtuned. Vengeful Spirit and, yeah, Treant, Offlane Brewmaster seems busted. In my pubs, but, Nature's Prophet's been the most annoying, personally. Yeah, he's better in pubs than in pro Dota. He's still he's getting picked, but he's not getting rated nearly as highly. And it's because pros are better at playing around what the hero does, and it's very high risk, I would say, to an extent. Like, his impact on a pro level needs to come very early, mm. or you might have been better off getting something else. Um, I think... But yeah. I, I, I don't know how often I say this. I don't think I say this at all. You can mm. tell me if I'm wrong. The worst design change... Maybe design's not the right... The worst balance change that I can actually remember... Mm -hmm. And it's not like... The hero has an 80% winner or anything. It's not like the sniper jug era or whatever. But just the idea of this spell being buffed, the sprout changes, I think are so stupid. <laughs> unforgivably stupid. That's one of the worst changes to balance that, I've, that I can remember in recent memory. There memories. were other ways of buffing profit instead. So and I, genuine, I genuinely think they will roll back the damage on sprout and buff him in another way. I um, hope so. Very annoying. Because essentially what I think they were hoping to do, first of all, Prophet was, had really bad win rate and wasn't seeing any love in Pro Dota. I think they were hoping that with that change, he would be a flex pick that was played in multiple roles. What ends up happening is almost everybody just plays him support. So now I just pigeonholed him into a new role. Uh, a role he's played before, to be fair. But um, yeah, just now you have a Prophet where almost nobody skills trance, right? Mm. That's, that's just also really weird. That's like the hero's key old ability. It's just almost gone from the game. When you play support Nature's Prophet, most players will go four four zero or maybe one point in the trance for body blocking of all things. You know, it's just like Yeah. It, it is weird, I would agree with that. But yeah, there's like a there's a handful of heroes on the mid lane as well. I'm not gonna go into all of them, but um I would say despite that, the games are pretty entertaining to watch. I think the level of play is very high. Uh and if nothing else gets your interest in this tournament then it looks like there might be some new big dogs, which is very refreshing. That isn't to say that gaming can't also win this tournament. It is possible. Uh, but this time, it seems the gauntlet is going to be extra hard because Spirit are playing really well. And mm. so are Shopify and Betboom as well, I would say. And Tundra, no slouches either. They definitely really stepped it up and Topson is, is owning on a s specific subset of heroes that they're running. So I saw him solo Tormentor with Dazzle and some Couriers. That was pretty cool. Yep. I mean, if any team is nerdy enough to do that, it has to be a team with AUI, right? I'm not surprised <laughs> that the team that kills Tormentor with Curries is the one that AUI is coaching. <laughs> not saying it's his idea. It's just these guys are like the turbo nerds of Dota. You can give it's control the... of units to your allies still or no? Yes, you can. So do you think they gave control of their Couriers or do they just move them themselves? I think they probably just move them themselves. It's one click, right? You just need to move them close to the Tormentor one time. So I mean, that, that's out. easier than getting your team to get close to the fucking Tormentor. That's what I've learned. My oh, yeah, God, it's absolutely. like pulling teeth to get people to do that shit. I, I bet in that game, Topson's like, let's do the Tormentor, let's do the Tormentor. And the guys are like, can't be bothered. All right, just give me your couriers. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like free gold. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty entertaining, and it, it looks to be a, an exciting playoff stage where anything can happen. And despite being a short tournament of only a week, they're still playing for a million dollars. So, yep. um, And it is going to be the last Tier 1 tournament before TI. So this is your last, like, uh, how to say, power ranking mm -hmm. you will have. So, 
That wraps up the Dota 2 section. Although, I mean, technically we have a Battle Pass replacement update coming out soon. I think they said late September. Am I wrong? Is that right? Uh, that sounds right. <laughs> so it's either in the next that. two days or it's next week. Uh, yeah. Which, by our track record, it will be about an hour mm -hmm. after we upload the podcast. <laughs> I think they actually wait for us because I'm so It'd be negative. really funny if we tried to game the system by recording the episode the day before and then they just release it right <laughs> after that. Anyway. Yeah, we, we actually have some control on where these updates come out. So looking forward to yeah. see what the Battle Pass replacement update will be. We're going to we're gonna fuck Valve up. We're just going to skip an episode and they have to wait a week to push <laughs> their update. Yeah, to make sure it's not late it's September. It's like an arms race, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, CS2... Uh, news they've been updating the game pretty much daily until a few days ago and now they have a tweet from today that says <clears throat> what are you doing next wednesday and apparently they made yeah apparently they made a tweet similar to this uh with some big update years ago i can't remember what that was for maybe it was the free to play something like that so it sounds like cs2 will be out for everyone next week all right which is exciting but also some people are, and I think that technically based on their timeline, which is the end of summer, it's actually, I think, past that point is what I've been told by a few days. So they're a few days late. That's, that's a, very valid, though. Which, if it's a few days, that's fine. That's summer officially ends in two days. It ends on Saturday. Okay. So, but it is concerning because there's a lot of stuff that still needs to be done for the game. So the question is, will it be the exact same build pretty much, give or take, that we've been playing already? Or have they been holding back a bunch of stuff? Like, you couldn't open chests and stuff like that. Obviously, that's going to be a part of it right away. I'm not mm -hmm. even questioning that. But things like tick rate, people have been complaining about how it feels sometimes. They've been going back and forth, making changes here and there. Hopefully that yeah. improves. I think another huge one is anti-cheat has been not good at all, like really bad. To the point where people that have been in the past shitting on Valorant and Riot for having <clears throat> kernel access with their anti-cheat, they're begging Valve to do the same now. Which apparently, I learned that Faceit and all these other programs already have that. They do that as well. Do you think Valve would do that? Do you think that goes against some sort of ideology they have? Or do you think they would cave into that? Uh, I don't see why they wouldn't. I'm just... I don't know what part of me feels like Valve will believe that they can automize this with um, with AI. What do you mean? That I think, that, I think that's way. the concern. Automate, sorry. I think that's the concern that some people have is that, uh, I mean, obviously, it's very clear in multiple games, including Dota, right? Valve are using their training algorithms to determine certain things. Uh, and I think maybe they are, by all means, I really hope they are doing this, but I just don't know if it's enough for the time being, but hoping to train algorithms to be able to detect cheating very quickly and just ban people. But the thing about that is it's always an arms race, right? Because then the cheats figure out how do Valve's algorithms learn and blah, blah, blah. And then it becomes dynamic. And I think the reason they want an algorithm to do it is that in the past, the whole way you hunt cheaters is you figure out what the cheats do, then you counter that aspect of the cheat, you go ban people, a shitload of people in a wave, and the reason they banned them in a wave is to try to cloak what it was they actually figured out. Uh, so it's harder for the cheat developers to surpass that boundary. Um, and maybe the, the hope is that you could train an algorithm to figure out what the next step is that people are doing to cheat 
as it's coming out and just, you know, sort it out. Um, well, I don't care what they do. It just needs you know, to be good. Like, this is what right. I'm worried about. Because right now, and I'm not saying I'm a competitive CS player, but in CSGO, I did not play matchmaking. I did not mm-hmm. play it at all because there's 64 tick servers, first of all. That's the worst part about it. And then if I wanted to play 128 tick, I needed to use Faceit, which a lot of the competitive players would use over the regular matchmaking, even if it was 128 tick, because the servers right. are better as well, not just 128 tick, but the server, like, inf- mm-hmm. like the actual hardware that you're on is better. And number two, you get a bunch of extra stuff. Like you get internal stats that you can look at. Uh, you get the pick band system, which they've now implemented into CS2 as part of the premiere thing. You get uh, skin sometimes, I think. So mm-hmm. the question is, will they put in enough to incentivize people to use this over the likes of Faceit? Do they even want to do that? Uh, because I right. think segregating the community in a way like that is, it sucks. Because the way that Riot does, I'm not saying they do everything perfectly, but this is one thing they did well, is they're not, and this goes against Valve's uh, MO in general, is they don't allow like third-party stuff in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. right? Like the facets of the world. Uh, right. But because of that, you have like this internal ranking system, leaderboard, in the game that actually means something, right? Yeah. Because everyone's on it. Because everyone is on it. All the pros are on it. You're going to see simple towards the top of the list, whatever. Like I think mm-hmm. that's cool. And it would be unfortunate if they kind of half-ass it where they put in some of the features but still face it's going to be predominantly the better option. So right. worried about the anti-cheat because it's really bad right now. They haven't indicated anything that they're doing with that. Uh, and then in terms of like the game itself... Again, I don't think they're going to be adding a lot of this stuff, but there's still a lot of quality of life things that I think they should add. Like the biggest one is the gifting items to people, like weapons in the game, instead of physically having to ask somebody for a gun. It's just in the UI, which is definitely possible now. It's in Source 2. They redesigned Mm -hmm. the buy system anyway. It just feels weird that they didn't implement that portion of it. That would make things a lot easier for a lot of people. So those are my main concerns. So I, this is a theory that at least some companies do, and I wouldn't be surprised if Valve does it as well. Do you think there's a good reason to not... I think we've talked about this before. Is there a good reason to not put that in the game yet so that you can put it in a patch later? And, you know, the game is improving, right? Mm. So, that, so that fans are excited that new content is coming out instead of dropping all the good shit in the launch and then struggling to come up with things that fans are going to celebrate. It's kind of like with tournaments in Dota, for example, if there's, you know, technical problems or whatever on day one, or you're not using all of the functionality of, um, of let's say, third-party stuff that you have in implemented in the game, like a HUD or whatever, and then you add that for the playoffs and people are like, oh shit, they're listening, you know, they're putting in cool stuff that we were asking for, even if it was technically ready from the beginning, do you think... Do you think that's what's at play here at all? Or do you think they just haven't I mean, done it? You or really, or... really have a high opinion of Valve. Always giving them no, the I'm... benefit of the doubt. No, Are they holding on to this great feature that could have been in the game already? Just no, to make so a here's... bigger splash? So here's the question. Is that benefit of the doubt? Because like we can discuss whether that's a good thing to do. If I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, I'm like, yeah, I think they have it ready and they're just waiting and I think that's a good idea or whatever. Okay, so, uh, no, I, I understand like, what let's say saying. they haven't. So, I would say... I mean, you think you, it's not right. You could make an argument that it's better to do that 
And that's the kind of the question. Like what, stagger what are, updates, essentially, right? Right. Like, what are they coming out with next week? Is it the build we've been playing? Because if it is, it's not good enough to replace CS:GO. Okay. So stuff like that would need to be implemented later. And yeah, you could come out with updates. I think that's fine. But I think like the anti-cheat one, day mm -hmm. one has to have that. I. It doesn't make sense not to have something. I would make a case that something like the dropping weapons to teammates being improved is not how to say that does not have to be there from the beginning mm. in order for this game to make a splash, right? Like there's certain functionalities and quality of life stuff that people are going to really like and get used to, but isn't required from the beginning. However, if the game is absolutely plagued with cheaters, that is a fucking buzzkill and a half. So I agree a hundred percent. I haven't played the game myself. I don't even know if I have access to it. Um, you don't. I probably, sure. maybe I probably don't cause I've played it so little CSGO that is, um, that would be a really big problem if that's there. And if they have to allocate resources right now to fixing something, that is the number one be above everything else. If other core functionality isn't there, maps missing, stuff like UI, like you said, like nice things, well, quality of life. Stuff. You're looking at Delay it from, that. Just, you gotta sort them. You're looking at it from a little bit different perspective as well, because this will replace CSGO. This is not yeah. a standalone that you have to bring people into. You already have a massive player base that will instantly have access. So you're saying when CS2 officially comes out, CSGO shuts down entirely on the spot? I, I, I can't say for certain, but based okay. on the fact that I'm playing through the CSGO client, right? Like it's not a separate game, it's just a different launch option. So I, I think it will be replacing CSGO. I don't know if it's going to be next week necessarily, but yeah. Right. That's why having <clears throat> a lot of these extra features, they could come out with later. It's not that big of a deal. Is there other quality of life stuff that you would like to see that you haven't seen in the game yet than just the shopping thing? Where you're like, probably this is obvious and they should know this and they should have already worked on this, that you can kind of be a profit for, okay, this is coming out at some point. I mean, you don't genuinely think they're not going to make a better drop system, right? Do you actually think they wouldn't no, do I, it? No, I don't think they're going to, no. You don't think they're going to do that? I don't think they will. Interesting. Okay. I feel like if you're putting in the buy system, that's just part of it. It's... I. I'm not a coder. I don't think it's difficult to just add that as part mm -hmm. of it. I don't think it's much work. Uh, so in other words, you don't think Valve are holding on to stuff to drop later and stagger updates. They just don't make this. If I had to guess, so, yes. Yeah. Like literally, you're taking... I'm just trying to think of how easy this is to make. You have the current system already made, which is the buy menu. Somebody mm -hmm. right-clicks a weapon. This is what you implement. Right-click a weapon... Everybody on your team has now an option to click a button that drops the weapon onto them. I feel like that yep. is not very much work. I know exactly what you mean, and I agree that it cannot be very complicated. <clears throat> but again, I mean, I'm just, it's just what I said. And maybe I don't, okay, maybe this is a stretch that they want to change things in portions so it isn't too much at once that gets revamped because CS is a very, I think it's fair to say the CS community in general is exceptionally resistant to change, right? Uh, yeah, I would say that's sure. a pretty fair statement, right? So sure. when CS yeah. two comes out, I think people are excited for specific <laughs> things, but if it feels like Valve is changing up too much, people are going to be like, "This is not my Counter Strike," you know. So yeah. maybe there's a little bit of an element to that where they're holding on to stuff that they think people are going to like, but they're not going to innovate all the stuff at once because then people will feel like it's not Counter Strike anymore. And if you space it out, 
people get used to the new CS with the new features, and then in a half year's time, you had a couple of extra features. Then people were like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. If anyone is a proponent of that, it's you, because you have seen Dota's changes in the last five years, and you have got so much shit in the game that you wanted that people were resistant to. If all of that had happened at once, people would have been outraged, right? Well, they would have been outraged for two days, and then they would have loved it. Once they gave but it a chance. if there's one time you don't want people to be outraged, it's for the launch of your game, right? That's True. the one time you really don't want to overwhelm so people. So the other, I can't but, think of, I'm sure there's other quality of life stuff. There's just a bunch of, I would call them bugs or balance stuff that need to be fixed. So like collision, like when you're running next to teammates, it like warps you. It feels awful just to be I mean, it just teammates. sounds like a bug, right? That's a That's bug. And then SMGs and shotguns are way too good. Which I don't mm-hmm. mind SMGs getting a buff from what they were previously, but like I heard people are buying shotguns over ops. Yeah, like that's auto, all pretty fucked up. Auto shoddy from like <laughs> mid range. They can kill people long range with it almost. Like it's ridiculous how good this gun is. And then okay. a lot of the SMGs are overtuned, but you know, like the I'm, revolver launch all over again, huh? I heard about that one. I never actually used the revolver back uh, in the day. I just remember when it... I, I didn't play. I just remember reading some of the stuff about it. Like, the revolver was just super busted when it came out. <clears throat> All right. So that comes out next week. And the last topic of this week's episode is Unity. We didn't get to talk about this last week. So I'm going to give a TLDR. And I'm not saying that I know every single detail about this. Oh, but yeah. I'll, I'll kind of give... This. So there's different engines that people... That companies can use to make games, Right. A lot of companies like Blizzard use their own engines that are not available to others to use, right? Other than Hearthstone, which actually uses Unity. Then there's uh, Source, which you can technically make a game with, but it's not as well-supported or well-liked as some other uh, engines, like Unity and Unreal are considered the two biggest ones. There's also some up-and-comer ones like Godot, I think it's called, but apparently it's not... Based on what I've heard, it's not at the point where it's really competing. So basically, you're choosing as a game company between Unreal Engine and Unity. And Unreal Engine has a lot of cool features, but it's much more difficult to use. It uses, I, maybe I get this mixed up. I think it's using C++, which is harder to find like high-level devs in. Uh, mm. It's more specialized, I guess. It's much harder to use. And there's stuff with like memory allocation, I believe. I'm just echoing some things that coders told me. Memory allocation is a thing you constantly have to keep in mind when you're coding in Unreal. So there's definite drawbacks to using Unreal. And for Unity, it's just easier. It's Mm C-sharp, so finding people is way easier. Uh, Most mobile games use Unity. Like Generally, it's just the better option. So Unity came out with an update, let's call it, to their uh, (laughs) subscription system. Keep in mind, the CEO... Which I don't know how long he's been there. It hasn't been that long. He was the ex CEO, if I'm not mistaken, of EA, and it'll make sense after I tell you what they came out with. So uh, typically, it depends on what engine you're using. I think Unreal will charge companies to use their software once mm-hmm. you've made a certain amount of money, and then a percentage goes. I think that's what they do. I could be wrong. I'm not remembering exactly, but typically, you they get a revenue split. Or something to that effect. And Unity, I'm actually trying to remember what the previous system was. I think you just pay per user until you've hit a certain threshold. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could be wrong. That's probably outdated. But anyway, their new system, which they're getting rid of a lot of the old stuff that they had, is per install. 
So they will apparently track when somebody installs a game and it will cost the developers money per install. And the first thing you think of is what the what about free to play games? There's a lot of people that make free to play games and they have to they're literally losing money by people installing games. So the number one question is <clears throat> can people abuse this? Can you install like just mass install? According to them no, but they're not revealing how they're keeping track of installing the games. Like how do you even keep track of who's installing a fucking game? Like it's it makes no sense. So <clears throat> There's a lot of other details to this that I won't go over, but Unity has been getting absolutely shit on, like nothing I've ever seen, to the point that a ton of very famous developers have come out with blog posts saying, fuck you. They're literally cussing in their blog posts. Mm -hmm. Certain devs that have literally never posted in. Who's the one? Was it Slay the Spire? That mm -hmm. uh, I think they ended their blog post with. This is literally the only announcement we've ever made. That's how big you fucked up. Something to that effect. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's gotten to the point where now Unity are like, okay, we've heard your feedback. We're going to go back and see if we can revise some of the things. We haven't heard the details of what those revisions are, but mm -hmm. it's still a pretty big deal. And apparently a bunch of the people that were aware of this, aka the higher levels in the company, were selling shares of their company before this announcement dropped because they knew the price ah. was going to plummet, which... God, I love people. That's your first so reaction good. is, is Wonderful. that insider trading? And apparently it's not insider trading unless they tell other people that it's happening. If you do it yourself, apparently that's okay. Yeah. That's my understanding of it. So there's a lot of other stuff in addition to this. It's very, <laughs> very convoluted, but the TLDR is it probably will get molded into something that's more digestible. So that begs the question, did they do this on purpose because they wanted to put in a system and they just make it so mm. much worse than you expect that that way when they roll some of it back and like, okay, I guess this is fine. What now we're talking. Now we're on the same <laughs> wavelength. This is what I'm talking about with CS, right? It's like, we have the better thing, but we're going to show a worse thing. So you're going to appreciate the other one more. You know? It's not the exact same thing, but you get it. Yeah. Uh, dude, I just I was kind of in disbelief when I heard it. I was like, "This is the, this is so fucking stupid, right?" Because it's one thing. First of all, like you said, I don't know how you're going to track installs, but let's assume they can do it, and then each user gets to install once at that cost, right? Um, does this just mean that, like, <clears throat> essentially, it's just a fee on top of what's already there, right? Because they're not removing the other stuff. I'm assuming. This is just to make more money, right? That it's not coming instead of their current implementation, right? Um, that you mentioned. I thought it was replacing it, but I could be wrong. So this would replace the one where they get paid for. It. So this would literally be the only thing they make money with. Would just be installs and no no other solution. Or I, I mean, who knows? We we don't know. I can't remember. Yeah. It's just in order for the system to even make sense to begin with, in the slightest sense it has to be fully trackable. Because if it's not, if somebody finds a loophole where they can install the game multiple times and have it bill, you could literally fuck companies over that are making games by just spam installing a game, you know? And you might be like, who the fuck would do that? There will always be someone that will do something like that. If, it's if we learn anything from Ability people. Arena, yes, there are people like that exist, absolutely. Yes, there are people that are just 
have whatever motivations they have. And obviously, the I don't know if it's worse or better, but competitors could want to do it, right? Mm. You could literally hire people to spam install the game just to fuck them over, right? Or it's kind of like a different version of DDoSing the servers of a competing game so that your game gets more players, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it obviously has to be fully trackable. But I think in the initial announcement, people were questioning even that, right? Like, how are you going to track that people... Is it And is it only one install? Like, what if I, as a person, is the cap one or is the cap more than one? Because if the cap is more than one, then all of a sudden you run into those problems, right? Well, what if people have installing issues? Then they have to pay more, Uh yeah. The developers so, do, right? So it's one like, of the things, so they've been kind of answering some of these questions apparently on the Unity forums, uh, and that one was mm-hmm. answered that it is one per okay. person. But at the same time, it's like, what's stopping somebody from having a virtual, like a ton of virtual machines? Yeah, how do you track like, how are you again? Track, I exactly. don't understand how you track How them. are you making sure that people cannot bypass that limitation in some way? It but, needs to be uh, so bulletproof, because if you fuck it up, right, this is the scary part, if you fuck it up, game devs could go out of business because of this, because of some random fucking loophole, and then it's too late, right? Sure, maybe you can roll back it, but if the payments have already gone through and you weren't aware that the shit was going on, and, you know, not every studio can just afford to just lose 50 grand mm-hmm. out of nowhere, you know? So... But the, the funny yeah, thing on top of all bad, of this man. is the, the question is, how does this affect console games? And one of the the official Unity reps was saying that Microsoft and Sony would be paying Unity then, in that case. And mm-hmm. I don't know if they've made an official announcement, but most people's reaction is like, you think Sony and Microsoft are going to be okay with that? There's no fucking way that out of nowhere yeah. they're going to start paying money for each install. There's no way. Uh, good luck dealing with their lawyers, I guess. And then, uh, even though this is maybe something I should have mentioned at the beginning, but another reason that people hate this guy that's the CEO of Unity now, the ex-EA guy, is apparently he has a quote, an actual quote, I don't know what the context is, where he literally says, I quote, software developers are fucking idiots. Nice. So people That's really, really like this oh, yeah. guy. We want that guy in Unity <laughs> as, as CEO. That's great. That's exactly, that's really the market we're targeting here. Yeah. Um, so. Okay, I, my final question about this is, why the fuck do that? If you want to make more money, which is an honest thing, like let's say this company, you know, they want to grow or whatever, and they feel like they're not making enough money with the thing that they have. Why this solution? Why not say we're going to take a slightly higher cut or whatever, like if that's the thing. And then so my understanding then is that people... Unity has been losing money. So they did need to make right. some sort of a change, which is understandable. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. And this is what they chose to do, apparently. Do they think this is going to be more well-received than just being like, okay, our company, we're starting to lose money. If this continues, we're going to run out of business. In order to keep our company afloat, we need to raise the percentage from whatever it is to whatever it is, times, point, whatever. How how many times have we seen in esports, forget about Unity and the video game space, just esports, how many times have we seen a CEO or a higher up from another industry come in, think they have an idea of what the fuck esports is, and then fuck it up horribly. They have no pulse of the situation. They have no awareness at all. Mm-hmm. This is that again. It's happened fucking seemingly infinite amount of times already. I think it's just another example of completely complete incompetence with the space and not being aware at all. 
And are you so? What you're implying is the CEO comes in, has this idea, and yes. either he has yes men in the company that enable it to happen, or they're speaking against it, and the CEO just doesn't care. So apparently, and a, it a bunch of people that work in Unity have come out after being fired recently and said that we were uh, mega against it from the beginning. Right. We, we were still against it, and we got fired. I see. They implied right, that it was well, because they were against it, which probably is true. Yeah. Oh, so well, that's not only well, are they okay. losing devs now on Unity, but they're well losing employees on, in Unity, but they're also losing devs. Uh, a bunch of companies have said if this isn't changed, they will be switching to another engine. I'm trying to remember mm -hmm. which one. Some of the games were pretty big. Like one of them was already working on a sequel to one of their big games that they are just going to scrap and just totally mm -hmm. like switching engines is not easy. You have to literally start from scratch for the most part. And yeah, you're, the crazy. people that are working on your game, they have to learn a new language depending on what engine you go to, right? Like Wait, hang on. What's, what's Hollow Knight run on? Shit, this is actually important. Trend. So this has helped uh, that up-and-coming company that I talked about, Godot, I think it's called. Uh, they've oh no, gotten a lot of increase of traffic now because of that. I'm sure Unreal is the same. What, what engine is it on, Cinderin? Hollow Knight is on Unity, Shannon. I'm looking forward to Hollow Knight Silk Song so much this year. It's the game I'm anticipating and most excited uh -oh. for. It's either coming out this year or maybe the next. Oh my god, if that gets scrapped or mega delayed or something, I just... That would be such a fucking shame. Nikki's saying one but of I... the Unity mobile competitors just released an AI thing to allow people to reformat their Unity games to their platform. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> that would be well, cool. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, obviously, this kind of shitstorm you don't recover from without making changes. But I mean, what what options do they have, right? So let's say they need money. Uh, this install thing is just not going to fly, even if it's one cent. It's just fucking stupid. So let's scrap that idea entirely. What ways can a company like that make money aside from taking a cut on sales of the games that get developed on there or take a flat fee for letting studios use their software? Um, I mean, there's a million ways you can do it. I think charging... I think charging think everyone rate... something small is fine, and then based okay. on how much you make, you start giving a percentage, which okay. I think I feel like that's what they had before. I'm really having trouble remembering. It's just, okay, so what, then increase your rates then. I don't know. What do you think, the, which rate do you think is better to increase? Is it the flat one or the percentage one? Just, you, know, you don't know the number, so maybe this is just a shit question, like you can't answer. But I would just guess... instinctively, what do you think people will be more resistant to? Oh, more resistant to? Probably yeah. the flat. Because that would okay. affect more people. Yeah, because like, if you the raise threshold. the percentage, exactly. When you raise the percentage, it's already for successful games that are profitable, right? Yeah. So at that point... But I feel like that's also more... That would give more revenue anyway, is the percentage to Unity, right? Mm -hmm. Over the flat fee. The flat fee is probably nice, but... I mean, I guess that was probably the idea of the whole install thing, right? Is that the more successful the game gets, the more money they obviously make because every install pays them, right? Mm. But... It's just, it's a different wrapping to what could essentially have been very similar by raising the cut. Um, yeah, oh well. Let's see what happens on that front. Just give me Hollow Knight Silk Song, thank you. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Okay, <laughs> that is the end of the episode. Thank you, everybody. Are you going to be still in Stockholm next week? Uh, I am not for the next episode. I'll be back home. All right, how about this? Let's just say mm -hmm. tentatively... That okay. if the update is not out by next episode, that we delay until the update. Because it's probably like the next day. Because it said late okay. September, right? 
So Oh man, you wanna you actually wanna do the arms first with Valve, huh? Yeah. Okay. I like this. I, I like this. So I, it's possible we just oh wait, we have to have an episode next week though, because Manscaped is sponsoring. So worst case, <laughs> it's on the thirtieth on Saturday. Okay? Worst case. <laughs> Sound good? All right. Let me just think. I do think I'm available, so that should be fine. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for watching, right. everybody. Until next time, Suns Fan and Center and signing out. Peace. Bye. We say things that don't subscribe. But thanks for listening. Yeah.